Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Mumba here with my wife, Serena Mumba, here in Dallas, Texas, the United States of America. Broadcasting you live from Dallas, Texas, the United States of America. In the teachings and lectures at the World of Life Bible College Online Theological School here in Dallas, at the Dallas campus. We are a theological school, an online school, and uh, students are being being blessed as we go with the uh, teachings to make them uh, formidable men and women who are going to take the world for Jesus Christ. Uh, we have other subjects that run online. We have the Book of Romans, which my wife and I teach. We have New Testament survey, which we're going to go through today, as we did some studies as well last night. And then we have Old Testament survey, which I take as well. We have uh, marriage and family, which is taken by our graduate student, Astrida Mwale, who is in New York. And then we have uh, missions taken by Pastor Anna uh, in Tanzania. She's based in Tanzania, but teaches uh, missions. Then we have uh, also extended uh, studies in the Book of Romans, which is supposed to be taken by Pastor Teddy Harawa. And then also uh, uh, my wife is taking a course. She will take a course in uh, uh, the Holy Spirit. Or actually the Holy Spirit is being taken by um, uh, Nantemba, Linda Nantemba from Zambia. And um, we, we are we are taking the course together. What? Or oh, the Gospel of John. My wife here is correcting me about the Gospel of John. She says she's taking the Gospel of John with the students. So anyway, here we are uh, once again getting into study. And uh, by God's grace, we are progressing as the Lord blesses his work. So I welcome you all, those who are listening to this broadcast from around the world. This broadcast goes all over the world. Uh, we are especially designating the teachings to the students at World of Life Bible College. Yesterday we were looking at the book according to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. Today we continue our study in the Gospel Gospel according to Matthew, we're concluding it. I want us to look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do bless and thank you that thou art a God of mercy, that thou art a God of grace, a God who hears and answers prayer. 
As we go through the teachings today, we ask the Spirit of the Lord Himself to prevail and abound. Be honored, Master, for your faithfulness. Be honored by your divine grace. Thank you for each and every student who is uh, listening to me right now, that they'll be built up in the most holy faith according to your divine grace and favor. Bless us, Master, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Gospel according to St. Matthew. Yesterday we were looking at uh, uh, Matthew having been the one that God used to uh, write this book as the author. We discovered uh, some facts here that uh, Matthew, it's believed like he had kind of read uh, the Gospel according to St. Mark. So they do believe that most of his uh, writings are very uh, similar to that of Mark. We looked yesterday at uh, the first audience whom we believed and uh, saw that he was writing to the Jews, you know. And then also we looked at the occasion of the writing. We found out that, uh, you know, it's not known what prompted Matthew he did not explain what prompted him to write. Now we looked at the assessment of many students is that he composed his gospel largely to help Jewish Christians interpret Jesus as the fulfillment of the scriptures. And then we also saw that most scholars believe that the author was prompted by reading Mark's gospel. You see what I'm saying? When he read Mark's gospel, it prompted him to write his own. So uh, the record, you know, because Mark's gospel are the record of uh, Jesus' teaching, sometimes called the Q. There is much to commend the view that Matthew interwove Mark Q, his own research and eyewitnesses or eyewitness memories into his own careful account. So there is that similarity between his account and that of Mark. Now, we look in today to the development of Jesus' ministry, which the writer of the book of Matthew, uh, who is Matthew, develops. We found that from, that from the... Uh, from then on, that's uh, the, the beginnings of this teaching here. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. Uh, this, we see, marks the beginning of his major public ministry. From then on, Jesus began to preach. From then on, Jesus began to preach. So this marks uh, the beginning of his major public ministry. Who, whose major public ministry? The ministry of Jesus mostly spent in Galilee. And this was the message that Jesus had, is repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. This also epitomizes his message in one sentence. With Jesus' ministry, death and resurrection, God-saving God's saving reign would be inaugurated in the hearts and lives of those who became 
his disciples. Now, we see that uh, Homan here, which is our textbook that we are using, he says, universal acknowledgement of God's sovereignty in Jesus must wait his second coming. But the kingdom has been inaugurated. He began to call to himself those who would be his most intimate associates and trainees. Now, Homan is talking about uh, Matthew. As uh, Matthew talks about the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, that Jesus began to gather together disciples whom he would train and who would carry his mission around the world. And so uh, he, call, he, he began to call to himself those who would be his most intimate associates and trainees. Matthew then previewed the essence of Christ's ministry with the key terms, preaching, teaching, and healing, which characterized his activity wherever he went. So the ministry of Jesus, when we look at it in the eyes of Matthew, we see these three characters come up. It was a ministry of teaching, uh, preaching, teaching, and healing. Preaching, teaching, and healing. So wherever Jesus went, he preached about the kingdom. And then he taught the people to be diligent and faithful to the concepts of the kingdom. And he also healed those who were sick. Uh, wherever Jesus went, he never left any sick. There were no sick people that were left wherever Jesus went, except when people had no faith. So this gives us a platform, uh, a basis for our ministry today. So simply spoken, how should our ministry be? It must be a ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing. These three things go together because the church is still alive today and uh, Jesus still heals as we teach. The Spirit of the Lord and the power of God prevails. We find that the power of God is manifest as we preach because the Holy Spirit is present whenever we preach the gospel like I'm doing right now. The Holy Ghost is here in his fullness. Now, so we look, uh, we're going to have a look here at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. This is the authority in word. Uh, my wife is here. She's going to help read from uh, the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Matthew chapter number 5, reading from verse 1 to, let me see here, my Bible. I got my Bible over here. Let's say she's going to read Matthew chapter number 5. Okay. And then we move on from there. Now, in Matthew chapter number 5, we see the commencement of the ministry of Jesus. Here he's talking about the authority of the kingdom. Matthew 5, verse 1. The authority of 
the authority of the kingdom. So Matthew is talking about the authority of the kingdom. It's the beginning of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ as pertains to the kingdom. Uh, I'll read the beginning as she gets ready to read this scripture. Matthew, I'm trying to get to the scripture here. You see, I'm turning the pages on my Bible. Matthew chapter number 5 from verse 1. And Matthew 5 and verse number 1. My my wife is waiting to sign in here, so let's give her time to sign in. And also those of you who who are trying to listen in, uh, I got uh, the phone number you can call. It's one seven two four, and then you dial four four, and then you dial seven four four, and then uh, my actual ID call ID is. One, three, four. That's the teaching I'm doing. One and nine, five pound. Okay. And then uh, since you are, uh, you know, just entering the call, it will prompt you unless you are the one who has the, the actual recording. So here, as we await my wife to call into the call, so she can uh, read the scripture so you can hear it. Uh, It's talking about the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount here in chapter number 5. And we see here what Jesus was talking about. And seeing the multitudes, he went up. He went up. The pin is 134195 pound. 134195. Four one nine five pound. That's the pin. My wife is dialing into the call, so she can read the scripture. One three four one nine five pound. And since you're calling in, no, she she should go in. Um, oh, enter one nine six. Enter one nine six. One nine six two one nine. Six four seven seven pound one nine six one nine six two one nine six two one nine six four seven seven pound then you should be entering the call so here we are. She's signing into the call so she can follow us together as we go. But uh, like I'm saying, we're beginning to look at Christ Jesus. And it's talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, here we look in verse number one and it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, 
And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Now, this, these are the teachings of the kingdom, the authority of the kingdom. Verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is to be poor in spirit? Being poor in spirit it simply means you are hungry for the things of God. You desire to serve God. And there is that emptiness which can only be filled by God. It's very important for us to recognize that. When that hunger is there, then the Spirit of the Lord woos you to become a child of God. And the Spirit of God brings you into unity with Him. So it says in, in verse number 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. In the kingdom of God, whenever there is mourning or people weep and cry, the grace of God abounds. The Lord moves in and intervenes by his grace. For God, by his grace, works through his spirit. My phone. Okay, just when you are ready, just tell me. I'll give you the this microphone that you can read. Just, are you ready to read? Okay, when you are re ready, just let me know. Then I can pass over this to you. He says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted." Now, whenever we go through trying times and things are not working as we expect them, and we are mourning. There is comfort that comes from God. Verse number five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek. What does meek mean? Being meek. Being meek means being a person of humility. Being meek means being a person who is humble. You know, the, the Lord spoke in one place where he says that, uh, uh, Pride cometh before a fall. You know, when you are proud and you, 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 you live in a proud atmosphere, you got your shoulders high, you, you got your nose up, and you look at other people like, what are they doing? Uh, you know, you're not going to please God like that. You've got to have a humble spirit, especially we servants of the Most High God. As a pastor, we preachers need to have a, a mixed spirit, a spirit of humbleness. He says there in uh, verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What does that mean? It just simply means you desire the things of God with all your heart. Guess what? You will be filled. Because you desire for righteousness, you are thirsty for the things of God. Righteousness simply means you want the things of purity, things that come from God. Verse number seven, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's important in life to be a person of mercy. You know, there are people with no mercy at all. I look at, uh, uh, like uh, here in our country, 
where people are being blocked. This one can come in, that one cannot come in, and stuff like that sometimes. You know, we got to be a people who are merciful. Now, also mercy means we look at the plight of the poor, people in need. When we are in a position to help them, we must move in and help such ones. You know, let's not be a people who do not stretch forth our hand to help the poor. I know of a friend of ours we have known for a number of years has been giving us clothing and stuff to give to the communities of orphans in Africa. That's being merciful. Verse number eight, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter number five. What is to be pure in heart? To be pure in heart simply means you have, you have no blemish in a sense. That means that your desires are pure in the eyes of God. You desire to bless the people of God. You desire to build the kingdom of God. You desire to extend the kingdom of God. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When you are pure in heart, you will see God. That means God will reveal his will to you. God will reveal and show that God is on the throne and that you are his child and he would like to use you all and more. Verse number 10 of the book of Matthew and chapter number 10. I mean, chapter 5, verse number 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, when you begin to minister the word of God, you'll be persecuted. When you begin to propagate the gospel of the kingdom, you will be persecuted. But the Bible says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know one thing, you got a, a place in heaven. Verse number 11, blessed are they are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say, oh, man of evil against you falsely for my sake. Remember, is people saying things falsely for the sake of Jesus. He says in verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they, the prophets, which were before you. See? So when we begin ministry and we begin to do the work of God, remember, you will be persecuted because the ministry goes with persecution. Verse number 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth or thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are the salt of the earth simply means we, see, what is salt? Salt has got is a preserving agent. Salt holds things together. Salt is an agent that causes things to be held together so that they don't go bad. You know, when you put salt in uh, uh, certain uh, foods, foods, they will not go bad. See, so Jesus is saying here that you are the salt of the earth. Now, so he says, but if the salt has lost its favor, where will shall it be salted? Oh, it means that if you have lost your impact, you have lost your credibility as a child of God. You lose your saltness. 
what it means is that your effect is not going to be that good. You not impact the world if you're living a life of sin, you're living a life of compromise, you're not walking in the righteousness of God. You're not going to preserve the world. And God is not going to, even God is trying to use you, it's not going to be effective because you are compromising your position in the Lord. Now, verse number 14. He says, he's talking about Christians now being the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, these teachings of authority were teachings that were Jesus was giving to the disciples to commission them and give them basics of operating in the kingdom of God. We are the light of the world. That means everybody can see us. You know, whenever you, there is darkness and you turn on a light, guess what happens? You see everything, every corner of the house, every darkness, every hidden little thing will be seen. That's the way we are. We shine like the light, and everybody looks at us. So every little thing we do, they will notice. That's why you have... Uh, that uh, uh, aspect of uh, uh, light, as the Lord is calling it, you are the light of the world. Now, Jesus now talks about the law, according to Matthew here. He says, uh, Think not that I am come to destroy the law, the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not uh, pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, it shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus is talking about the law. You see, many people broke the law, like the Pharisees broke the law. And the scribes, they taught people what is expected of them. But when it came to them doing it, they didn't do so, you know, Jesus is saying, just like them, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you break the law, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven at all. And so uh, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to throw the law out of the window. When the Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery, he did not come to throw that adultery away. He came to fulfill it. He says, you, if you look at a woman to last, you have committed Thing with that in your mind. You see what I'm saying? So his fulfillment was at a high level. Now, Jesus is talking now about anger. You have heard that it was said by the by them of all time, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of, of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, 
shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou shalt if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge. And the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Very I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So here the Lord Jesus is teaching about temper and his doings to people. When you have got a bad temper, the Lord is saying, deal with it. When you are in a conflict with a brother, he said, reconcile before they take you to the judge. That means you got a chance to always say, hey, I'm sorry I did this. Hey, I'm sorry I, I misstepped myself. Oh, I'm sorry I, I, I went beyond my, the boundaries I was expected to. We always have a chance to apologize and ask for forgiveness. When we do, the thing we did wrong to our brother will be forgiven. But when we don't, listen. Jesus says here, they will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will lock you up. You see what I'm saying? So learn to reconcile with people. Learn to be in good books with everybody. Now, Jesus here further is talking about adultery now in verse 27. You have heard that it was said by them of all time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Since what I was talking about a few verses back here. Verse 28, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to last after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thence. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. And cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Now, what is Jesus talking about? If your eye offend, take it out, pluck it out, your arm, cut it off. Or he's saying, when there are areas in your life that seem to carry you away from the Lord, if it be your eyes, the things you watch, your ears, the things you hear, keep away from them. I remember we uh, used to sing that Sunday school little song that uh, watch your little eyes the things that you see. Watch your little eyes the things that you see. Watch little eyes those things that you see that they may not lead you into sin. Now there's a way we used to sing it, you know, like watch your little feet, hey, where you go. Watch little feet, hey, where you go. Watch little feet, hey, and watch what where you go. 
Watch your little feet, hey, where you go. What does that mean? Watch your little feet, hey, where you go means watch where you're going. Where are your little feet taking you to? Are they taking you into a pub? Are they taking you into a drinking place? Are they taking you to go steal? Watch your little hands, what you touch, see? Watch your little hands, hey, what you touch. Watch little hands, hey, watch what? you touch watch your little hands hey what you touch so what do we mean the little hands what you touch what are your hands touching are you stealing things are you touching unauthorized stuff what are you doing with your hands so that little Sunday school song is summarizing in full how we must behave before God we must watch what we see watch what we hear Watch where we go and watch what we, what we touch. Because all these things, what we touch, what we see, what we hear, if we do not control ourselves, they can lead us into grave sin. And so this is what here the, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus is teaching on the mount. Uh, he says, if you're unoffendly, pluck it. That means... Stop looking at the things that are going to mislead you. And if the right hand offends you, he says, cut it off. It doesn't mean literally you cut off the hand. No, it means stop whatever you are handling that is unholy. Now, in verse number five, we continue to read from verse, uh, chapter number five, verse 31. It has been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And so ever shall marry her, that is divorce, committed adultery. Now, here was specifics of Jesus talking about divorce uh, in that time. Because, you know, in the Old Testament, they were given the authority to give a letter of divorce. A man can give a woman a letter and say, hey, we are through with this marriage and stuff like that. And they'll hand it over to the elders of the city. And the divorce was final. But here Jesus is saying, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a letter of writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving, that means the major factor that Jesus mentioned here must be that a person is divorcing his wife because of sin. And that's very important. Okay, from now, my wife is going to read and I'm going to explain the scriptures here. I'm on verse number 33. Again, ye have heard that it had been said, that it had been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oath. Okay, okay. My wife can't read my Bible clearly. This is the King James version of the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can you maybe get more light onto your Bible? So you can't read these big letters. Okay. It's here, verse thirty-three. Right. You can you can read from your Bible, verse thirty-three. Okay. You gotta. Okay, baby. Verse 33. Again, 
Ye have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the... <laughs> My baby is trying to adjust the um, speaker. But carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Okay, here the account, Jesus is simply talking about oaths when you make an oath says again they invested this again you have heard that it has been said by them over all time thou shalt not swear uh, thyself but thou shalt perform unto the lord thine oaths so what we are saying here don't make oaths that are to authenticate a lie maybe you lie and then you're saying i swear by god I didn't see anything happen. When you saw, what happened? Oh, I swear by God. I didn't hit him. I didn't touch him. I didn't touch her. When you did, see, when you swear, you you are swearing by the name of the Lord, which is a holy name. And so you're not supposed to swear using the Lord's name in vain. That's why here the Lord is correcting the people. He said, you shall not swear nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Because in those days, they used to swear by Jerusalem. I swear by Jerusalem because it was the city of the king. Everybody respected the fact that if somebody did swear by Jerusalem, he was talking the truth. Because that's where Jesus came. That's where, you know, the great things of God happened. And then he says, neither shalt thou swear by, the, by thy head because thou, hast, thou, thou canst not make one hair white or black. He's saying, people who touch their head and say, I swear to you, what I'm telling you is the truth. Jesus is saying, you know, you're swearing by your head, but you can't make even one single hair. You know, so it's important for us to realize that whenever we are dealing with the things of God, at the time when we swear, it must be things that are holy. Now, many times when people are being sworn in office, they take an oath of office. That's where they swear by the word of God. Don't just go about swearing, I swear by God, I swear by God. When you are lying, because God is going to judge you. We're going to look now from verse 38. Yeah, we're going to bring the back. Okay, verse 38. You have, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil door, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Verse 42, give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Okay, this uh, account here, as we can see, it's uh, clearly. This is, uh, according to my Bible, here, I have a subheading. It says, love for enemies. 
So he's saying, you have heard that it has been said, the eye for an eye and the tooth for tooth. Where was this said? It's in the book of, uh, uh, I believe, in the book of Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, when the Lord was giving laws to the children of Israel. If you did something to somebody, you, you knocked their eye out, they will take you to the rulers of the city, and your eye will also be plugged out. See, if you knock somebody's tooth out, they will, they will take you to the rulers of the city and your tooth will be knocked out. So that's why they say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which means whatever you did to somebody will be done to you. But here Jesus is you know, he's changing the format of uh, the way we, we, we act and the way we respond to uh things done to us wrongly. He's saying, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, tend to him the other also. Now here is an account whereby people, you know, they would, uh, he's saying, if they say they slap you on this side, Jesus tend turn the other side also and give them the other cheek to slap you. But it has been in in the in the actual happenings of life, many teachers of theology and preachers have said, Don't you do that because they will kill you. I mean, you cannot let a person slap you on one side and then give them another cheek and say, slap me on this side. They can kill you. The whole point Jesus is just giving is, he's talking about you're not retaliating. It's a spirit of not retaliating. He says, if you are slapped on the right, give them the left. Don't you give them the actual left of your face because they're going to kill you. All he's saying is have that, that attitude of forgiveness and walk away. Don't revenge on the harm that is done to you. Don't take this scripture literally when somebody slaps you and give them the left because they can kill you. You understand? Okay. So, uh, but he says here that, uh, uh, and if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy cot, let him have thy clock also. All he's saying is don't you stand up and start to avenge yourself. Somebody takes you to court and then you, you know, he says this to, to, to the judge. Oh, you did this. He did that. He, you know, they take your court. He says, give them the other one as well. They take your shit. Give them another. No, all he's saying is don't you retaliate. Vengeance is mine. I'll repair, says the Lord. And he says, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Twain means go with him two miles. All he's saying is if people take advantage of you in a sense, and you know that they're taking advantage of you. They make you carry their load for one mile. Jesus said, for the grace of God, take it the second mile. All he's saying is, don't you give up and start complaining. Oh, this, you know, what I'm be, being done to me is grievous. And he says, he's talking about not being a complaining uh, believer. Even when people seem to take advantage of you, find a wise way to avoid it. Okay. Right, so that's what it is. Well, what example are you talking about? Or if he's trying to say something. Okay, so uh, he says, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Now, in Israel, it was against the law. If somebody came to your door and knocked and asked for bread, and you said you didn't have it when you had it, 
It was a sin against God. So all it meant was if somebody comes to you and asks for anything, give it to them. He was teaching the believers to be liberal, to be giving people, to be merciful, to have compassions, to, be, to have bowels of mercy. Uh, you have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despisefully use you and persecute you. So that's the, the scenario here. I don't know. Are you ready there to read further? Uh, we are now on um, uh, verse 45. You read from verse 45 to 48 as we wind up that, you know, on uh, uh, this particular teaching. Verse 45. Verse 45, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collector do the same? And if you greet, and if you greet, only your brother and sisters. What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, so here we see uh, very plainly the teachings of Jesus Christ. Here we'll continue uh, through. But you see, Romans does explain to us very clearly that Jesus went around here uh, teaching. Um, this is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. What we've been reading and giving to you is the authority in the Word of God. And then uh, Romans explains here, perhaps no portion of Scripture is as well known as Jesus' great sermon, which we've just been reading here from uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, to Matthew chapter 7, verse 29. We just reached up to chapter 6. We finished Matthew 6. Uh, Matthew 5. So next time we do study with you, we'll go to chapter number 6 of Matthew. And then uh, it goes all the way, actually, to Matthew chapter number 7 and verse 29. That's where we shall end. Now, here, Homans explains, it says, begins with the well-loved Beatitudes. These are teachings of Jesus that classically exemplify God's invasions of the world's values. These countercultural values could suggest that Jesus intended his followers to withdraw from the world and form separate communities. In Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, immediately believes any such notion. Uh, we see that disciples must be sought and light, like we just looked at, uh, arresting decay. Because, you know, salt stops decay. So decay means a, a society will change when there are believers there. They become the salt. They preserve the society because of their holy living. And providing illumination for a lost and dying world. Such radical ideas, understandably, would have raised the question of the relationship between Jesus' teaching and the Old Testament. Because Jesus addressed this topic next. He had not come to abolish the law. See, that's where we talked about the law. Yet neither had he come to preserve it, but rather to fulfill it, to bring to completion everything 
to which it originally pointed. So Jesus turned to the theme of the true versus hypocritical piety. So we see in three closely parallel examples, parallel examples, he treated the practices of almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. That's what we're going to look at when we come and continue in our study. As for the meantime, we want to challenge you to continue reading. Students, you read the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter number 6, all the way to the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter number 7, and verse 21. Uh, there we're going to look at uh, uh, the teachings of the Lord. Yeah, and you follow all this. So we've been with you for this week. And I challenge you to be ready to listen to the teaching next time we meet again. This is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Wamba, and uh, I'll ask maybe my wife to close in prayer. Okay, she's she's busy up there with the page. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do bless her. Thank you that thou art a God of mercy, the God who hears and answers prayer. We honor your name, for you are the God of miracles. As we teach the students the way of life, according to your scriptures by the by Matthew, we ask the Spirit of the Lord himself to be preeminent. Bless us, build us up in the most holy faith. Let the students learn the principles of the kingdom, and let them be an effective body of Christ that will establish the kingdom of God at all cost. We bless you and thank you, Master. In Jesus' name we pray. As everybody agreed together with me and said, Amen. Amen. Well, this is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Mwamba, my wife here, Tarina Mwamba, signing off from Dallas, Texas, and saying, be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.